This is Monstras. And welcome to another episode of Monstras. I am Brenda Salguero, and with me today is... Hi everyone, this is Orquidia. And in today's episode, Yay. we will be talking about a notorious serial killer from Mexico, El or La Mataviejitas. Yep, and it's going to be really, really interesting. I'm very excited to talk about this, especially after December being a shit show for me. I didn't have internet for two weeks. That was great because I destroyed my own internet. You need to tell people why you did it, though. I So I had <laughs> ants, and the ants were getting on my bed. And so what I had to do, and I had to do this, I had to do it. I had to pull my bed away from the wall. But for some reason, the crappiness that is my apartment, the internet plug had come out of the wall like and, and so it was just a long string attached to the modem and so that long string wrapped up in my bed and then I pulled my bed away from the wall and it pulled the entire thing out of the so- out of the wall That sounds like you had like an anger moment so just, and just you know like when people punch the walls <laughs> <laughs> I know and usually that's true <laughs> That's absolutely 100% true. But in this case, I swear it was not true. Like, I broke my TV <laughs> about, a, about a, like, in November. Mm-hmm. And and it was an accident. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to. The um, TV was just asking for it. So, well, I the TV was really asking for it. It was <laughs> pissing me off. And so then I, I just kind of broke it. So... Again, I paid and replaced it, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> I think you, you, your anger issues are a good setup for the episode today. <laughs> My anger issues are definitely a good prelude to this stupid or crazy, actually, I should say, case that I'm so excited to talk about it's today. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. I don't think people are ready for it. They're not. So uh, let's get started. So the name Matavijitas itself translates as the um, old lady killer in Spanish. Uh, There have been... So I kind of wanted to tackle this issue or this case, despite the fact that there have been other podcasts that have covered it. But because of that, I really wanted to concentrate on two specific aspects of this case that have fascinated me. So the two different aspects that I wanted to examine is the biases that exist when examining serial killers as it relates to women and the trans or as it is known in Spanish, travesti community and the negative consequences this community suffered by sloppy police so, work. I'm really excited. I didn't know anything about El Orlamata Viejitas until you brought it up. So I feel like the worst. I love true crime stories, so I felt really bad. And it's a Mexican case. I don't know what happened. Blind, yep. like just, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, you've never heard of, I'm surprised you've never heard of this case. It's it's I just know, right up your alley. Fascinating. So I'm really interested to see or to talk about the role that gender particularly femininity and masculinity played in the case. So talking about body image and what's considered feminine and masculine in that context, that's going to be fun. 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, but before we do get started, uh, we wanted to give a shout out to two sources we relied on heavily for this podcast. So the first one is the book "The Little Old Lady Killer," the sensation, the little old lady killer, the sensationalized crimes of Mexico's first female serial killer by Susana Vargas Cervantes, and then the podcast "Leyendas Legendarias." Hosted by Jose Antonio Badia and Eduardo Espinosa. I highly recommend that podcast. It's in Spanish. So if you don't speak Spanish, you're missing out. But it's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't speak Spanish, just learn Spanish. And it's then hilarious. Listen to the and it's podcast. all true crime. That's so. our suggestion. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I have to listen. I have to take a listen to it. So let's get right into the story. So let's get into the first thing. The killings. Okay. So and the, the fun victims. part. So- <laughs> Yes, the murder. Yes. Uh, so beginning in 1998, there was a noted spike in murders of elderly women taking place in and around Mexico City. By 2003, there had been about 17 murders committed, all done with an assortment of random objects that were found in the victims' homes, including tights, curtain cords, telephone cords, cables, stethoscopes, and even the belts of nightgowns. It was pretty intense. So most of the murders, or all of the yeah. murders, were strangulation. And in every case, the victims were 70 or older, which is really just shitty. Yes, it's that's what makes this really yeah, bad. Like who this does case. that? Poor old ladies. Yeah. They were mostly middle or lower class, and they lived alone near a park or a garden. So those were the, the major uh, similarities in the, in the cases, in the murders. Since there was no sign of forced entry, police assumed that the killer somehow gained the trust of these elderly women. Perhaps posing as a nurse or a health professional, donning a stethoscope. The crime scenes were also devoid of fingerprints, leading the then police chief, Bernardo Batiste, to state that the killer tenía una mente brillante, muy hábil y precavido. They were brilliant and careful. So remember that. Particular statement. I think for what's the end interesting the there is the the precavido. So in Spanish, when the, the the words are gendered, so precavido is masculine for careful. So that's something that's definitely going to come up. Oh, again, exactly. And again, this is actually why the the police and the media actually gave the killer the name El Mata Vejitas. Yeah. Or the old yeah. lady killer. And again, so the important thing here is that the use of el, which is masculine. So it's not the lady, old lady killer, it's the male old lady killer. So the cops, press, everyone referred to the matavijitas and the masculine. Everyone just assumed that it had to be a man doing these horrible crimes. Exactly. I think that gets us into the police investigation. It was really fascinating to see how they were thinking and what they were looking for. So despite the obvious pattern, Mexico's Department of Justice never acknowledged the possibility of a serial killer being responsible for these murders until 2003. So they were like, no, it's different people doing it. Mexico doesn't have serial killers. And we'll talk about why that's why they thought that or why they argued that. So it, w- it took them six years after the killings began to for them to go, oh, shit, serial killer in Mexico City. <laughs> Oh, man, we have like 30 dead bodies and they're all killed by the same method. Maybe, maybe it's the same person. No, no, no. (laughs) That's not how this works. No, 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 no. (laughs) 
No. We don't have that kind of thing yeah. here in Mexico. It's and like, then, okay. So that was the Department of Justice. So Mexico's Department of Justice in 2003 said it's a serial killer. It wasn't until 2005 that Mexico's police chief, Bernardo Batiz, declared the existence of a serial killer and promised to capture them. So it took him, the local police, two more years to say, okay, it's a serial killer. That's insane. It's just insane the level of denial that existed in this case. Fascinating. Just, I think we could do a whole episode on the police investigation, but we would be rolling our eyes too much to actually get through it. (laughs) My eyes would get tired. Yeah, because you're right. Despite his declaration and the creation of a special task force called Parques y Jardines or Parks and Gardens. They really, the police couldn't get their shit together. So they had like 64 different sketches of the suspect. They were doing Parques y Jardines was hilarious because they had like old ladies as bait. (laughs) So they sent old ladies to the parks and gardens (laughs) and were like just following them around to see if anybody would suspiciously come up and talk to them. It was just... Okay, okay, Jose. Jose, it's your turn. It's your turn to to put on this old lady wig. Put on, no. you know, hosiery. No, they got actual old ladies. It was and worse they got than actual, that. like, 75-year-old actual women old ladies? out in the parks as bait. That's so messed up. I love it. Like, these lady can't run. <laughs> like, you know, 75-year-olds can't, like, take off. I thought it was going to be some dude in a goddamn no, that wig. made a little bit more sense. But no, it was actual old women that they... They just put out there under this initiative of, of Parques y Jardines. Hey, señora. Señora, yo tengo un trabajo para usted. Señora, I'll give you 10 pesos. If you, if you, may, may, you might get killed by a serial killer. Maybe not. Can you just can you just walk around the park for a little bit? Just just a little while longer? I'll give you I'll give you 10 pesos. 10 look, pesos, look señora. Look really vulnerable. Pesos, look really sickly. Like, okay, good job. Oh. Oh my god. And the fact that they called the task force Parques yeah. y Jardines. It sounds so friendly and safe. It sounds safe. It's it's like they're cleaning up. Yeah, it's like they're yeah. cleaning up the parks. You know? Parks and Rec or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's what I they're cleaning up the parks. Oh my god. So anyways, the police by 2005 were under obviously immense pressure to capture this killer. At that point, the number of victims had risen to 41. <laughs> 41. It's just insane. The task force was created in response to this, but they also drafted up a possible criminal profile of the killer. So, they physically described the killer as a man dressed as a woman or a robust woman dressed in white, height between 1.70 and 1.75 meters, robust complexion, light brown, oval face, wide cheeks, blonde hair, delineated eyebrows, and approximately 45 years old. It's a lot. So, psychologically, they describe the killer as a man with homosexual preferences, victim of childhood physical abuse, lived surrounded by women, he could have a grandmother or lived with an elderly person, has resentment towards that feminine figure, and poses great intelligence. I'll just say they only got one of those things right under the psychological profile. They really did. They really fucked up. Because 
if you had that much of a description and you only got yeah. one thing right, <laughs> wow, you messed up. You done messed. No wonder they yeah. couldn't catch this killer. And the, the descriptions were really all over the place. Like some witnesses described the killer as tall, uh, 1.70 meters, robust with black hair. Um, other people said, I believe it was a woman. I'm not sure because she was very tall. Obviously, women can't be tall. <laughs> No, <laughs> then the witnesses not. said, but she was blonde and short hair. Uh, she used glasses and had a bag. So here's where it gets interesting because of her build uh, and broadness of her body. People assumed it was probably a travesti, right? So the assumption is women aren't tall and they're definitely not broad. That's that's not exactly. very feminine. So it must be a man dressed as a woman. The women I know, Orquidia, are short. And possibly stocky, but that's yeah. it. That's the only body yeah. type that could exist: is short and skinny, or short and, and stocky. Definitely not that's thick, uh, lined eyebrows. Women would never do that. No, absolutely not. Like what? It's so crazy. Um, and again, these descriptions were going out there. People were just suspicious of everyone. The pressure mounted. And in several instances, the killer started to get bolder. So they started striking twice in the same month. The crimes were becoming more vicious with the victims being stabbed to death or having plastic bags placed over their oh. head. So it just there was just an escalation. Oh. And the cops had no idea who they were looking for. At one point, the murderer even burned one of the victim's house down, and the victim could only be identified oh. by their dental records. Oh, that's so tragic. And you said, you also pointed me at a website, damn you, sorry. of the crime scene photos. Well, I've seen really bad crime scene photos. I've seen Dahmer's victims and stuff, so I've seen some pretty brutal stuff. This is pretty brutal. The The crime scene victims, like the way they these these poor, you know folks were murdered is is pretty bad and it's not how i want to go out you know as an old person you shouldn't have to worry about that crap. i really wish so, the killer would have stuck to it's just strangulation yeah instead of yeah. burning people starting to burn but obviously they were reading all the the media and laughing in the police's yeah. face but also with the same, you know, serial killers do have this pattern of yeah, escalation. More anger. So they, 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 yeah, more anger, more, more ramping up. So they do ramp up their crimes. And at this point, the police were really ga grasping at straws. I mean, Batiste declared that perhaps there were two killers at one point. And then later, also in 2005, he said that maybe the killer had killed themselves. So no more murder murders, you know. Ta-da, the problem Genius. solved itself somehow. I don't know how he came up with that idea that they killed themselves. But of course, the murders didn't stop. And in October 2005, Batiste declared that the killer must be a travesti because the witness statements purported that the killer wore women's clothing. So in order to understand what happened next, we have to examine Mexican society's view of the travesti and define what a travesti is for folks that don't know and really understand the Mexico's relationship to LGBTQ communities. So travesti means someone that's dressed as the opposite gender. So a man dressed like a, a woman, usually, or a woman dressed as a man, but usually it refers to a man dressed as a woman. Travesti can be seen and is usually used as a slur. 
Uh, so here we're using it because it was a term used by the cops, the media, and the general public during that time of the murders and arrests. So I feel really weird saying travesti, honestly. Like it just, it's a really offensive term. Yeah. Really? Because I, so I was researching that too and trying to figure out um, if there was a different word that we could use. But I looked up the Wikipedia definition and it said that the travesti might identify as trans or transgender, transsexual, woman or female, femme, non-binary, genderqueer, transfeminine, third gender, basically a ton of different identities really fall again, uh, um, mm-hmm. under this term. And one of the things, too, that I saw was that some of the activists or trans activists are taking the yeah. word back. So, I, you know, we're using this word knowing that it's yes. heavy, <laughs> that, it, it, that it comes with like this kind of really weird history. But in my research, fun fact, drag queens are known as transformistas or transformers. <laughs> <laughs> that, I was like... That is That's so really cool. awesome. I like that better than travesti, although they're not the same thing, obviously. <laughs> yeah. They're not, but I, I kind of like the, the tran- transformers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so now every time I see a drag queen, I just think of that picture of robots and stuff. So, <laughs> yes, it's going to be great. No, I think, yeah, <laughs> the Wikipedia definition is helpful. But yeah, I, I don't feel comfortable using it, the word travesti. Outside of this context, right? Because it's so important. It's so mm. important that this is what the cops were using. So they already had this negative connotation. And we'll talk a little bit about the actual experiences that communities in Mexico City experienced because of that. But let's exactly. take a different turn first. Let's explore some pop culture references to travestis and LGBT communities, LGBTQ communities in Mexican media. So at the height of the police investigation into these murders, there was also a telenovela that was airing at the same time called La Madrastra. Brenda, can you tell us a little bit more about it? <laughs> oh my God. I would love to. This, I was like so engrossed into this telenovela. Um, I didn't watch it, but I was just engrossed in the weird coincidence mm. that these two events were happening at the exact same time that this telenovela was airing as some of this, you know, the murders yeah. were happening and the investigation was going on. So let me get into La Madrasa because this is awesome. So, or awesome, but also awesome in the way that it, <laughs> you'll see, it kind of ties into the popular culture and like the views. It, it really narrows down the views of, of what we're talking about here. So La Madrasa means stepmother. And it began airing in Mexico in February 2005 and ended in August of 2005. So the plot revolves around (laughs) Maria, who is sent wrongfully to jail for the murder of her best friend, Patricia. Although she was supposed to be there in there for life, she was released after 20 years for good behavior. I don't know how I know. So she attempts to go back to her husband, Esteban. (laughs) Despite her resentment of him, he left her because he believed that she was the killer. So he actually ended up hating her so much that he decided to tell his children that she was dead. Wow. <laughs> like, instead of saying, like, my, yeah. So he completely, like, disowned her and abandoned her. However, 
Her and Esteban reconcile, and they decide to remarry. Her children, who don't know she's their mother, actually end up resenting her for trying to replace oh their、God. dead mother. <laughs> I know the drama. So, but eventually, through her acts of selflessness and kindness, they grow to love her, and now Maria. Is torn between telling her children the truth, and then trying to find who the real killer of Patricia dun, dun, dun. is. Don don don. So that's kind of like an overview、mm. of the plot of this huge telenovela. It was it was huge, and so Maria <laughs> or Maria is the embodiment of the Holy Mother trope in the show. She is compared to the Virgen de Guadalupe often, so she's very much. The sacrificial、mm-hmm. mother, right? So, the mystery at the heart of the show of who killed Patricia kept audiences at the edge of their seats. Many red herrings were thrown in, but the show kept audiences guessing until the very last That's episode.、You. That's how they cook you, man. So, in the last episode of the telenovela, the killer is revealed to be. Demetrio, or I should say, I should do that better. Demetrio, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds good. Is that better? <laughs> so Demetrio is Esteban's corporate lawyer, who is also happens to be a crossdresser or a travesti. His motive, ah, this his motive is insane. His motive for being a travesti, yeah, which is bananas. Is that every woman he has ever known humiliated him, and so he started to hate his masculine identity. Wow, which is not、wow. how it works. Clearly, <laughs> obviously, not how it works. But this is what popular culture was telling people at the time, right? So this telenovela, which literally finished almost in complete conjunction with the arrest. Of the mata mata、uh, viejitas, which spoiler alert embodies the travestophobia that exists in Mexican culture, as depicted in La Madrasta. Being gay or transgender is seen as abnormal because who was the enemy? It was ultimately Demetrio, who was basically an evil person who had killed actually multiple people. He hadn't just killed Patricia; he killed multiple people throughout the show, and so. He was seen as abnormal, wrong, and ultimately very evil. And travestis, it was teaching kind of people. Travestis are not to be trusted,、uh, and that's really the the at the heart of this telenovela. Because why they didn't have to make him a travesti? He could have just been yeah this dude, right? Who was just evil. But historically in Mexican culture, homosexual and tra- travesti subcultures were lumped in with criminals. Prostitutes and thieves. This connection between travesti and criminality runs particularly strong in Latin America, but also we see yeah, it around the world as、unique. well. Like it's not limited. Yeah, it's not a unique take. This is why, in their search of the killer, the police in October two thousand five conducted several raids on travesti prostitutes to see if any of them was the matavijitas. Scores of travesti and trans people were beaten, 
and forced into police vans. They were photographed, fined, and fingerprinted. Travesti sex worker activists protested the raids, declaring, and this is such a cool slogan, No somos machos, pero sí somos muchas. We're not men, but we're many. That's such a so, hard one to translate, too. Because machos has such a diff- like, it's so, so many ha- different connotations. It does. And even reading it now, I'm like, it doesn't quite translate because it's also, pero sí yeah. somos muchas. So they said, so they used... No somos machos, as in like we are not, you know, men using the the male masculine form. Pero sí somos mm. muchas, as in using the female form yeah. of mucho. You know, sí somos muchas. So we are many yeah. females, basically, which is very fascinating. And ultimately, these raids, they were for nothing because the killer was a woman. <laughs> if you didn't get... <laughs> It what didn't get a shocker! It was <laughs> a woman. What a shocker! All these witnesses right? saying they had seen a woman leaving the scene, and then the killer was a woman. <laughs> who could have known? I mean, honestly, yeah. who Obvi- could have known? Not the Mexico City police. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. had no idea. It's just and insane. I think doing research for this episode, it was really amazing that they arrested. Was it one of the articles said about 50 folks from the LGBTQ community, like mm-hmm. you said, beat beat them up. Some of them, some of the cops stole from them for no reason. Because it's not for no reason. It's because they don't think they're right. human. They don't have any sympathy for them. Like they, they're just like, these are criminals. Again, it's, it's that criminal, that element of yeah. criminality that's linked to that community. Yeah, for well, no goddamn reason. What you mentioned with La Madrastra, there's something about also like contamination, right? Like just being close to that person or being close to people that are like that mm. makes you sick. So they're making the culture sick is the thought. That's why we have to get rid of them. That's why we have to like imprison them or, you know, pluck them out so that the society doesn't rot. And that's why the serial killer had to be someone like that because they are already sick. There's already something morally wrong with them terrible it's terrible the whole thing is terrible and it was one of the things that some of the like the one podcast that i listened to which is a very popular podcast my favorite murder i don't know if they even touched on that part they did a little bit but i wanted to really examine it a little bit more because i thought it was important that because of these prejudices and these beliefs the police just could not could not move past the idea that it could possibly be a woman who could commit these very brutal, yeah, brutal and murders. The, the police and the press and the pop, like the public, we like as a society all shared those ideas that it had to be a travesti or it had to be someone that we already thought was monstrous, right? It couldn't be a woman. Yeah, it couldn't be a woman because women aren't monstrous, as we saw yeah. in La Madrasta. You know, the mother, the mother figure, she was always there. She was always there for her children. She came back even after 20 years in jail. She still came back to her husband, even though it wasn't it wasn't because she loved him at, at first. She resented yeah. him and she hated him. But That's what eventually does. they refell in love. Yeah, it's cr- yeah. it's nuts that you would go back to the person who literally yeah. abandoned you completely. But she's the symbol of the unrelenting virgin-ish virgin you know but she's a mother 
And I think that that's what's so interesting when it comes to the LGBTQ community too. Like we see what's visible is this very feminine, right? Image of motherhood or feminine image of what women should be. And then the, at the other side, there's a very deep culture of silence when it comes to LGBTQ communities and particularly violence towards transgender communities in Mexico and around the world, but Mexico. So when talking about this, or when I was thinking about it, the first thing I thought about was Juan Gabriel. Like, oh, and I was fascinated yeah. by this. So um, Juan Gabriel, for folks that don't know, is an iconic performer in Mexico. He he was around for decades. Beautiful voice, beautiful songwriter, just amazing. And there were always rumors about his sexuality and the fact that he was gay. So people kind of knew that he was gay, but he never came out in the way that we know, like the way we imagine it. He wasn't publicly out. Um, nobody acknowledged it, really. But his performances, mannerisms, and dress were always described and mocked as effeminate, right? So when people mm. did like parodies of him, it was like uber effeminate. That's what they made fun of. Oh. Um, and later in his career, a reporter asked him about his sexuality, and just asked him, you know, are you gay or something to that effect? And Juan Gabriel said, yeah. lo que se ve no se pregunta. Or what you see, you don't ask about. <laughs> which is which is such a good way of just like being like, it's fuck you. Answer. And it's like the way he said it was so much, oh, so good, so much shade, just like beautiful. But, right, the idea is that his sexuality is obvious. There's no need to declare it. And at the same time, there's a silence behind that, right? Mm -hmm. the, the silence and hiding is sometimes necessary when there's such a large culture of violence towards this community. So it's a double-edged sword, right? Like he's saying, fuck you, I don't have to tell you about my sexuality. But what happens if he had been vocal about it? Yeah. I mean, one of my my friend's uncles, I think, had his was attacked be because he was gay. I think he, they stabbed him in the stomach and tried to like oh my God. open him up, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why we have this culture of silence. Like, people don't want to talk about it or don't want to be visible. But in, yeah. in talking about this violence, I, I found a LA, LA Times article from earlier this year uh, that said that Mexico is the second deadliest country for transgender folks. So according to the article, between yep. 2013 and 2018, so in the span of, of about five years, an estimated 261 transgender people were killed. Isn't that, that's insane. Oh my gosh. Um, in that same article, Mexico City activist Diana Sanchez Barrios said that police have not been allies to the transgender community and have a long history of extorting and com committing violence against the community, which sounds very familiar, right? Like it sounds ex exactly what happened with the case of La, yes. La Mata Viejitas. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, li like we saw with, with the case, it's easier for people to believe that it was like a demented, stereotypical travesti that committed the crimes, right? That that's, it, that would be the person that did it. So that brings us to the question, though. Like you said, La, La Mata Viejitas was a woman. The questions are, who was the real killer and what motivated them to kill? And we're definitely going to yeah, find that out on our next episode. such a good dramatic pause i was just like and i know i was like and? i gotta do it i gotta be dramatic <laughs> but 
Yeah, you have to be dramatic. You have to do it for the drama. (laughs) So it's, it's a fascinating story in trying to see how she got how how did she get caught and what happened yeah and like why why was she out here killing all these these older folks you know like damn <laughs> so in these brutal ways and she's one of the most brutal female serial killers i've so, ever heard uh, i hate using this word but prolific she killed a shit ton of people she it was insane the yeah. amount of people she killed i cannot even like, that's so much work. You know how much work that is? And she was doing it in her 40s. It's a lot Come of Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, that's a lot of, God, I could never be a killer. I'm just so tired all the time. I'm like, I don't want to do that shit, you know? Yeah. I just want to lay in bed. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> so in our next episode, we're going to learn more about the mysterious Mata Viejitas and how she terrorized Mexico City for years. Very exciting stuff. And how she had the energy to kill so many people. (laughs) (laughs) She's just downing monster drinks, you know? Leave that for next episode. Exactly. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, let's find out next episode what made this woman una monstra. Like, why is she such a monstrous person? I like it. And let's say, hint, that it didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why. There's a little bit of a reason why. But I wanted to end this episode, you know, just saying thanks so much for listening. If you want to, absolutely, you loved what you hear, heard today about these horrible murders. Uh, and and also, we taught you something. If you hadn't kn- kn- didn't know about the uh, trans community in Mexico or anything like that, at least you learned a little bit about yeah. it, too. Hopefully, hopefully which was kind of the point of what I wanted to do today because it was something that I was also curious about because I didn't know that much either. I think you the know? takeaway is transformistas. That's it's, the takeaway. Yeah, that's the, really the big <laughs> takeaway is transformistas. Transformistas. Hombres en disfraz. I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Don't don't be embarrassed. That was great. That's absolutely fantastic. That was perfect. I was trying to remember, like, how do I was like trying to do that, and I couldn't think of of, of a way to do it. What I was like, what words do I use? But anyways, thanks so much for listening. Please continue supporting us by uh, leaving us a review. Let us know what you think, and uh, let us know if you have any monsters, creatures, or legends you want us to cover. Also, please hit the subscribe button, social media. So please follow us on Twitter at Monstrous Podcasts. Although we don't tweet too much, but I do sometimes get into Twitter They're fights with some people. They're fun to watch. I'm just mean. I'm just a mean person, you know. <laughs> I know I'm lazy, but I'll get into Twitter fights. That only requires your thumbs. That makes I'm, sense. Exactly. I'm yeah. a multifaceted person. I, my anger has multi... <laughs> multiple ways of getting out and then or email us at monstraspodcast at gmail.com so until next time stay safe hopefully you don't dress up or pay someone to dress up as an old lady and be bait to a serial killer stay out of parks and gardens (laughs) (laughs) yeah stay out of the hell away from parks and gardens anyways bye (laughs) 